Nick Nastasio. Welcome to a new season, and thank you for downloading this episode. to me to know that people are interested in the kinds of quirky but also thought-provoking stuff that I tend to be interested in because these are honestly some of the best stories from the world of Filipino food that I think are a little underrepresented so it means a lot that you're listening. As for me, man, the last couple months have been amazing. I've spent some time in Europe For those of you who follow me online, I'm sorry, but not sorry for all the travel pictures. I joined this travel group from G Adventures, totally recommend, called the European Trail. And honestly, the beauty of seeing just so much else of our world, places I've never been to before, was incredibly inspiring. And I came back from my trip just wanting to talk a little bit more about that, because it's something that... I know I've wanted to always do. The travel part is something that I know a lot of people also feel is something that is a very big part of them. As someone who grew up in the Philippines, not really expecting to be able to do all this at some point, it's really just something that gets to you in a very personal way. When I was a kid, I remember my mom chatting away with my dad on MSN Messenger. This was in the dial-up days. She was a pro at this. I could never type as fast as her. We had this large computer in the living room with its own electric fan squeezed in beside these tall filing cabinets and my grandma's old desk from her work as real estate agent. And so all of this was crammed into this house that was really one of the first concrete structures in the neighborhood. Kind of funny because that area is quickly gentrifying like a lot of major cities in the world. Anyway, my mom, my sisters, and I lived with my aunt and my grandma. And my grandma loved to eat this dessert of ripe avocados mashed with milk and sugar. I know it's kind of weird to think of avocados as a dessert, but Filipinos totally consider it as such, and I'm pretty sure a few other cultures do too. I remember eating bowls of this stuff, like I couldn't get enough of these chunky, sweet, milky avocados, pretty much the avocado ice cream of its time. Somehow they were always perfectly ripe, never like the ones I end up having in Canada. With my bowl of avocados, I'd curl up on my grandma's faded couch, eating them by the spoonful, really waiting for my mom to finish chatting on the computer so I could call my best friend and like talk about Harry Potter. Anyway, my folks always chatted after dinner, and so that would be, I guess, early morning in Vancouver, where my dad was at the time, working to get our Canadian visa and immigration papers going. As they talked, my mom in particular had this way of just, I don't know, finding the bright side to whatever came along. And there was this one summer that I guess really stuck with me. It was the summer of 12th grade or fourth year high school in the Philippines. And I honestly didn't know if I was going to graduate because of something that happened then. 
And so one night I was sitting in the living room eating this bowl of avocados, the only thing that made me feel better. And I remember my mom saying, well, once you get to Canada and you get your Canadian passport, well, you could travel to Europe. Oh, you know those trains? I'd like to ride those one day. We could go to Paris and Rome and Venice. So believe me when I say this trip meant a lot for a number of reasons. Not only did I get to visit Paris, Rome and Venice, but also the beautiful, gorgeous Alps of Switzerland where I went paragliding down the slopes of the mountains overlooking this crystal blue clear lake. I walked through the medieval city of Florence in Italy where I tasted this olive oil that I still dream about. I went to Budapest and Prague, two cities along the Danube River that have so much history behind them. To Vienna, Krakow, and Berlin, places that surprised me at every turn, and along the cobblestone streets of Bruges in Belgium, and Amsterdam. Oh my god, I loved Amsterdam. And I got to visit Platform 9 and 3 quarters in London, so that ticks off more than a few things on my bucket list. Anyway, life has this way of turning things around, and the point of me telling you all this is because today, we're going to talk with someone who made a film all about people finding, learning, and sharing their truths. The kinds of truths that I was looking for in my trip, and the kinds of truths that people really spend a big chunk of their lives still doing now. And because you're listening to a food culture podcast, of course, we're going to talk about food and Filipino food in particular. Our guest for this episode is Alexandra Cuerdo, a California-raised and now New York-based filmmaker who directed a documentary called Ulam Main Dish. I am so excited. It's finally getting ready to screen in Toronto this November for the Real Asian Film Festival. They've had sold-out shows in San Francisco, New York, Chicago, and we finally get to see it. I can't wait. Visit ulamthemovie.com to check out the full list of cities where you can catch Ulam this fall. They'll be going around the U.S. and Canada. Let's get to it. I'm Alexandra Cuerdo, also known as Ali Cuerdo. Um, I am the director and filmmaker behind Ulam Main Dish which is a labor of love and a feature documentary about Filipino food crossing over into the mainstream in both LA and New York. Um, and that's been going on now for the last three years. I grew up in Southern California. My parents are from the Philippines. They were uh, protesters during the Marcos era, my mom specifically. So she kind of had to leave <laughs> at a certain point, um, which makes sense, as a lot of people did. And so they came to the States. They both met at UP. They were in the same batch. Um, yeah. My dad was a DJ. Um, my mom was an actor. And so you can tell that's where my love of film and music right. kind of came together. And so they met in the Philippines, came to the States. Um, and then had me in Southern California. I went to UCLA for film school, and that's kind of where it all started. But initially I wanted to be a journalist, 
And so that's also where my love of documentary came in. Um, it, you know, I never thought I was going to be making a food documentary. I, for a really long time, I hadn't connected to my Filipino roots. You know, I grew up very Phil Am, mm -hmm. so I would go back to the Philippines to visit Lola, all the family, but I grew up, you know, speaking okay Tagalog. You know, I understand, but I don't speak, right? That's the Philam conundrum. It's a very common um, thing that happens, absolutely. Exactly. And so it was a long process of me sort of figuring out what it means to be Filipino, mm -hmm. growing up in mostly white Catholic schools. You don't see yourself anywhere. And I grew up not having Filipino restaurants to go to. We would always have church socials. My parents ran the Filipino food booth, which was really the Asian food booth <laughs> for 10 years, but it became the Filipino food booth. Yeah. So it was Asian food, but it was pancit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that was my experience of Filipino food, was a yeah. very like home community, you know, sense, but it was never like, oh, let's all go mm -hmm. on a special occasion, you know to this Filipino restaurant, which is more what I'm seeing today, mm -hmm. um, which is what led me actually to want to document this amazing movement mm -hmm. that's been happening um, in both my hometown of LA mm -hmm. and New York, which is becoming my new home. Mm -hmm. um, even just watching the trailer for Ulam, you really walk away with a sense that the people who you speak with it's almost like it's it's a marker. It is a marker of their identity, and this is um, you know the the restaurants they run, uh, the kitchens they work in, the food they produce is very much an extension of trying to. I don't know if define is is the right word, but like really just explore it and and see what that means for them. So I was wondering if you could share. How did you pose that particular question to people? So when you wanted to, to interview them, like how did you pose that question of how do you define Filipino food or like how does this relate to you? It's an interesting question because it's hard for people to pinpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, where did it all start, mm -hmm. right? That's always the question. Where did you start finding your love for cooking? Where did you start finding your love for Filipino food or for being a business person because mm -hmm. restaurants are a business? I think the interesting thing that everybody came back to was this idea of memory. What do you remember growing up? You know, a lot of these chefs came up through French training, through, you know, cooking in Italian restaurants, cooking great food, mm -hmm. but it wasn't Filipino food. And something I remember that Charles Lalia said, and I'm going to paraphrase it now, was he was saying, you know, I would always talk to these chefs and I would say, this is what I remember from my summers in France. This is what I remember from my grandmother growing up in Italy. Mm -hmm. And he would make that food and he was excellent at it. But he never lived those summers in France. <laughs> he lived summers in the Philippines, right. you know? And so that kind of memory, that longing for what I guess we consider home mm -hmm. is really what drove a lot of people and what I think continues to inspire people to open these restaurants in a climate that I think is very unforgiving. Mm -hmm. You know, the New York restaurant scene, the LA restaurant scene, very difficult. A lot of restaurants, as you know, Filipino restaurants open and close in six months. Mm -hmm. That's been 
this sort of terrible thing that I've seen over and over and over again. But these are the ones that are making it. So long story short, memory. Memory, what is home? And that, that question is different for each person. That's, it plays into your identity, <laughs> really. Exactly. It's part of who you are. It's part of who you are. Right. And what's interesting as well with the, the different people who I've spoken to um, and interviewed is that it, it really does mean something different slightly for each person. Um, but the really cool thing about it and the lovely thing about documenting how this like plays out for different people is that it really shows their character and their yes. individuality because they just like, you know, people are able to put such a like unique stamp on it. Um, yeah, it's brave, you know, it's brave because you kind of get it from all sides, right? You get the thing is, is this authentic? Is this traditional? And then the idea is, well, what is authentic and what is traditional in this new space, right? Can we push Filipino food forward and still be authentic to our core values and our core beliefs? And you know, that's something, again, to paraphrase, something that Chase Valencia from Lhasa said, is it's what's authentic to you and your experiences and your memories mm -hmm. and your influences. And that's going to be something different for each person. And that's good. <laughs> you know? That's great, actually. You know, we want that diversity. You know, I feel like I've, I've heard this from people that don't understand a lot about Filipino food and they say, well, what is Filipino food? Is there one Filipino food? And I think at the end of the day, there isn't one Filipino food. And that's a wonderful thing to have that diversity, to have that breadth. You know, there should be many kinds of Filipino restaurants and we should eat at all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's those stories that you, you tell. What's really great about having this variety now of different restaurants, you know, pop-up venues, like dinners that people do, um, is that it's a kind of a way that you can deliver that experience in a new way. Um, I agree. I think it's it's a little, you know, bittersweet in some way, right? Because there are a lot of articles being written now about how Filipino food is this hot new trend, mm -hmm. which people are obviously and rightfully upset about mm -hmm. because this food has existed for us since the day we were born. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a trend that can come and go. It's, mm -hmm. you know, who we are. And so to, to phrase it as such, to phrase it as a fad is, you know, pretty ridiculous. Right. And I mean, I think the thing is, is like, the, the positive side of that, right, that's the negative side. The positive side of that is that people are interested in it. Mm -hmm. It is a gateway. The restaurants that are here now are opening the doors for so many people who have never had Filipino food. That's the exciting part. And that's what I choose to focus on. At the end of the day, like, that's just somebody being excited. Again, that's my personal interpretation of it. And I think that the more light we can shine on Filipino restaurateurs and chefs and um, people that are interested in cooking the food and really learning. So I've been reading this book called Eating Culture from the University of Toronto Press. It's really more like a college textbook than casual reading, but if you're anything like me, it's still a really good read. 
I was definitely going through this chapter about gastropolitics while I was on a train to Vienna, which I really just found funny. In the book, the author talks about the shared patterns of meals, about the social dynamics that are at play when you sit down to eat with people, about the shared origins of how everyone across the world cooks and prepares food a little bit differently, about how things like gender or economic and social status affect how cuisines as a whole develop. Amazing stuff that like really weaves together a lot of these concepts around food and culture that I've been thinking about lately, about how we live with it, how it ties us together. It helped give a lot of context for me especially that there's legitimacy to these kinds of perspectives about food beyond the stuff that sustains us, beyond the stuff that's trendy, beyond stuff that people only in North America talk about. So I asked Ali if she could tell us about an experience she's had that sort of aligned with this idea. One night that I think was particularly awesome was we had a pop-up dinner for Alvin's Filipino concept, Amboy. That's Alvin Kailan, who started off with Egg Slut in California. Um, which I think is a great name. <laughs> because that's, that's what we're is. seen as. Well, you know, that's what we're seen as, as Filipino-Americans. You go back, and boy, you know, yeah. like, that's, that's the way. Um, and so we had a pop-up dinner, and, you know, we invited all these people, friends mostly. And the funny thing is, is we thought it was just going to be, like, four tables, maybe, mm-hmm. you know. It ended up, we ended up booking the entirety of Chef's Club counter. The whole restaurant was packed of people who have never had Filipino food before, eating chicken in a sal, mung beans, you know, just like getting into it. It was so cool because it was majority non-Filipinos mm-hmm. experiencing it for the first time, mm-hmm. and the people making the food were majority Filipinos. Mm-hmm. And so it was this really amazing sharing that was happening and learning that was happening. and. It was surreal. We were looking around and we were like, we're serving Filipino food in Soho. This is amazing. This is so fantastic. Other people that are doing amazing things, the Filipino food movement, serving Filipino food at the James Beard House. You know, things like this, you know, can't be taken lightly. They're huge accomplishments and it took years to get to this point, you know? And so I feel like, whether it's my documentary, you know, or Filipino food movement, I think that the bottom line is is that we all need to support each other mm-hmm. and we all need to um, bring each other up because that's the only way we will succeed, you know, is if we just keep co-signing each other yeah. and keep <laughs> building the community. The reality is that crab mentality is definitely still a thing. Filipino people have tons of food-related sayings. One of the most popular ones is crab mentality. Basically, it describes the behavior of live crabs in a basket, where crabs try to claw their way up to the top, even if it means pushing other crabs down to the bottom so they can get ahead. And for better or worse, this has come to signify 
a large aspect of Filipino culture. And I mean, you can attribute it to this very hard scrabble sort of fight for your own life kind of mentality that you have to develop if you live in some place like the Philippines. But I like to believe that it's something that can change within a generation. Ulam, to me, you know, that's what it was really about, is figuring out, is there a community? Will we support each other? You know, and some of those are still questions that are up in the air. Mm -hmm. You know, will Filipinos go to Filipino restaurants? <laughs> it's a matter of, I don't know, I guess like almost coming to terms with it ourselves. Because again, it's not going to get to where it should be or where we think Filipino food on the world map or the world stage should be unless or until Filipino communities as a whole, like all across the world, like find a way to like own it and, you know, not be shy or not be yeah about it, which, you know, also kind of like lead into the historical, all these like bigger topics of like Colonial. colonialism and all of this. But you're right. At the end of the day, it is about a personal story. And that's the thing that really resonates with people. And I'm so glad that you were able to, to do that through <laughs> the documentary. And we're all, you know, and we're all learning, right? That's the thing is that I think no one's an expert. I, I certainly don't consider myself an expert. I'm but a student in this situation. I, the, the reason why I wanted to do a documentary was because I wanted to ask people to tell their stories. I wanted it to be direct, you know, to camera, this is what I lived, this is what I experienced, this is what I'm experiencing now. It's really hard in this day and age to figure out what is true and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say this, it's spin happening and misspeaks happening and, you know, and I think that something that's really hard to refute is personal experience and I think it's really powerful. Um, something I didn't want in the documentary from the beginning is I didn't want a narrator mm -hmm. and I didn't want um, anyone other than the chefs really talking about the food because uh, I don't think it's necessary mm -hmm. personally. I think that the food stands on its own. I think that the chef's words stand on their own. I like how you describe it where everything's kind of just like it melds together because it's, it, it is true. It's a matter of so many, the work of so many people and organizations kind of building upon each other. It's this whole kind of like... An ecosystem. An ecosystem, exactly. That was always the goal, is let people tell their stories. Give them a platform upon which to let people um, be honest and just say, hey, this is what I went through. You know, it's not always easy. A lot of times it's not. The thing that's interesting is I, when I first started, I thought the documentary would be more about the Filipino food. And I think at the end, it became about Filipino food and the community and um, the business of being a chef, <laughs> you know, of having a restaurant. It's tough. And all those things are wrapped up in each other because it helps explain, I think, why there are so few Filipino restaurants.
you know. You gotta have that ballsiness to do it and tough it out. I mean, and it's, yeah, it takes time. It takes time, it takes passion, it takes a lot of sweat and tears. I mean, it's really, um, it's like every restaurant I think that exists is like its own miracle. I like Alvin's quote where he was like, you know, if I tried to explain to my mom, like how much work exactly is going into this, there would be like, and that's the thing with like immigrant parents, I guess, you know, they, they leave their home, they leave their homeland for the idea of this like big, bright future and wanting to provide more for their family. And obviously that is a very good driver for them. But when it comes to the point of like, what's worth it, um, when you branch out on your own or do your own thing and you know decide to go down this path that isn't crossed before it's tough you know it's tough and you know i think for me i felt like listening to what all these chefs went through Mm -hmm. made me feel you know in a parallel industry right in the Mm -hmm. film industry you also it's not uh not a mainstream Mm -hmm. thing to do and it's not a money thing to do so it felt um, inspiring, honestly, yeah. to me as a filmmaker. And I'm not a chef. You know, I cook at home, but it's nothing like what these guys do. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so inspiring because it was like, wow, not just one of us made it, all these people made it. Mm-hmm. How incredible is that? Like, it, I wanted to just sort of shout that to the world (laughs) because I was so excited um you know and I was like man if I had like I'm thinking to myself you know when I went to dinner the night before I went to prom where did I go you know I I barely even remember like some shitty cheesecake factory I don't even know you know something that you do when you're in the suburbs and I was like if I could have gone to Lhasa yeah I you know how much more and so I'm excited because I feel like there's a whole new generation of people that are going to be able to experience these amazing places, mm-hmm. these uh, miracles, these mm-hmm. gifts, you know. And so, I don't know, I'm, I, I can't stop talking about how amazing everyone is. I'm just like everyone's biggest <laughs> fan because I wanted these restaurants growing up. Yeah. You know, that's really It totally cool. comes down to like... Um, it, it, it's very personal. Food is a very personal subject. It can be, it can be political. It can be a community connector, which it is. Um, but totally, at the end of the day, like it matters to you. And if it, if it makes enough of an impact to you after visiting one of these restaurants and being able to experience everything as a whole, then you, you always walk away with the stories more, you know, rather than like the actual food of. I mean, it's great, but. At the end of the day, like that's what sticks with you more is right. like remembering the story and right. like learning about what went on behind it and all that. Right. Like I filmed a documentary. When you're watching the movie, it's not like you can have the food. It's a movie that you <laughs> definitely get hungry after watching it. I think a big thing is that I just want to drive people to try these places because at the end of the day, it's a it's an introduction, mm-hmm. right? Filipino food is an introduction to Filipino people, to Filipino culture, to Filipino family, to Filipinos as successful, bright individuals, which we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's just a, it's just a way to give people a handle, I guess, mm-hmm. on like who we are as a people. And I think that that's that's the reason why I chose 
food because I think it really is the great crossover. You know, <laughs> it's the thing that um, everyone can understand. It's totally. sort of beyond language. Thank you, thank you to Ali Cuerdo for this interview that we did at New York City earlier this year. Please check out ulamthemovie.com, that's U-L-A-M, themovie.com, for dates to November 2018 screenings in places like Vancouver, Denver, the Napa Valley, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and my home base, Toronto, as part of the Real Asian International Film Festival. Trust me, you're going to want to see this if you can. Our opening theme is by David Seste, music is by Eric and McGill, Komiku, and Blue Dot Sessions. Visit exploringfilipinokitchens.com to check out past episodes, and to the folks who left reviews on Apple Podcasts, thank you so much. I'm definitely back for season two. Follow Exploring Filipino Kitchens on Facebook and Instagram, and learn about some other really cool Filipino podcasts on there. There's a number of us, and you all should listen. Until next time, maraming salamat. And thank you for listening.